Hey guys, welcome back to Delving Into the Cold. This is Dee. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the case today. I know that it's taken me a while to get it out, and I apologize. Uh, but it's one that I've put a good bit of research into that I found interesting from the first moment I heard it. Um, and if you want to know mo more about this case, you can actually um, watch the documentary um, by Josh Zeman called um, Killer Legends. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is. Uh, he also has another documentary about a case that I've covered um, called Cropsy. So uh, if you are into all things creepy or crime related, Josh Zeman has a really good history and track record with um, those types of documentaries. That being said, we are going to just go ahead and get into this. We're going to be talking about Ronald Clark O'Brien, also known as the Candyman or the Man Who Killed Halloween. He was born on October 19th, 1944 and died on March 31st, 1984 by lethal injection. He was from Deer Park, Texas, and he was married to, and I may be butchering this name when I say it, but I'm going to try my best, Daneen. He had two children, Timothy, born in 1966, who died in 1974, and Elizabeth, who was born in 1969. He was an optician in Houston, Texas. He was highly respected in his community, and he was very, he was very active in his church. Um, and so if you don't know what I'm talking about by now, um, there's a reason that parents tell their children to, um, be very careful on Halloween. There's a reason that parents check their children's candy. It was a big thing in the 70s and 80s where people would even, you know, take their kids' candy to be x-rayed and things. Uh, this guy is a huge part of that. Um, he's not where it originated, but he definitely perpetuated that fear. So, uh, the crime that we're talking about is the death of his son, Timothy, on October the 31st, 1974. Um, and I will warn you that this case involves child murder and it can get graphic and if you are um triggered by that feel free to walk away um so on october the 31st 1974 uh o'brien took his two kids um and his two neighbor's kids with him and his neighbor trick-or-treating so it was Ronald Clark O'Brien, his adult neighbor, Ronald Clark O'Brien's two children, and his neighbor's two children. Um, and the children kind of ran ahead, and um, they got to one particular house, and no one answered the door. So they were like, okay, whatever. They didn't want to wait. They ran on. Well, at this point, O'Brien... Um, lagged behind and when he caught up he had 
um, huge pixie sticks. I'm sure you've seen them, the really, really big ones, um, for all the kids. And he claimed that he got them from the, the home that they were just at where no one answered the door. He said that he went back and someone finally answered the door and gave him the pixie sticks. Um, and so they wrapped up the, um, uh, they wrapped up the trick-or-treating, took the kids home. It was raining that night. Um, and also I need to point out that they went trick-or-treating in two neighborhoods. Their neighborhood and then, um, a neighborhood I think like maybe two blocks from them or something. Very close proximity to their home. Um... So he gives out the pixie sticks to his children and to the neighbor's children, and they go home. Um, and Timothy and Elizabeth were allowed to choose one piece of candy to eat before bed. Timothy chose the pixie stick, um, and it's been indicated that this was possibly influenced by his father, but we can't really say that for sure. What we do know, however, is that O'Brien helped Timothy open the candy. Um, and O'Brien then stepped out of the room for a moment, and Timothy um, ate the candy. And he complained that the candy was bitter. And uh, O'Brien came back and he gave him some Kool-Aid to wash it down. The effect of this pixie stick was pretty much immediate. Timothy became ill with stomach pain, vomiting, and convulsions, and O'Brien was holding him at one point as they waited for an ambulance and said that he went limp in his arms. He died less than an hour after eating the candy. He was eight years old. So, um, the effects of this night with the death of Timothy, um were kind of just community panic, mass hysteria. People were turning their candy into the police in droves. Um, and it really, really sparked a lot of panic. And people for a long time, and still to this day, are now terrified to let their kids go trick-or-treating on Halloween. And so that's why um, he's called the man who killed Halloween. Now, it should be noted that O'Brien wasn't initially a suspect um, until there was an autopsy done on Timothy and it was revealed that he died of potassium cyanide poisoning. They linked the potassium cyanide to the pixie stick. Um, and the police went immediately and tried to retrieve the other pixie sticks before they could be consumed. And they got all of them, and then they got to the last one, and it turns out that the child had tried opening the candy, but couldn't get it open. And um, that was the only thing that saved him. They had massive doses of cyanide. Um, and when I say massive, I mean the research that I did said that they had enough cyanide in them to, um, they were like three to four times the lethal dose for an adult male. So, I mean, that is a lot of cyanide, especially for a small child. 
And so the police questioned O'Brien and he claimed that he was given the pixie sticks while they were out trick-or-treating. And the police were like, okay, then show us where you got them from. So he, you know, kind of hesitated and kind of, oh, well, I don't exactly remember. And the police did what, honestly, I think was brilliant. They're like, okay, well, we're going to walk this neighborhood until you remember. And so finally, um, O'Brien led them to a home that uh, he claimed the children went to and no one was home and so he said he went back and someone just stuck their hand out the door and gave him the uh four pixie sticks and uh this home was the home of courtney melvin and so the police were like okay they looked into uh melvin was completely alibied out was at work at an airport had like 200 eyewitnesses to Melvin being at work and so that fell through rather quickly and the police were like okay well that's a huge red flag um so they're like O'Brien is the one that fed us the story we need to do more research into O'Brien and see what's going on so they looked into his history they looked into what was going on in his life Turns out he was over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. He was close to being fired. His car was about to be repossessed. He had a history of job hopping and his home had been foreclosed on. The guy could not keep a job. He was just bouncing from place to place to place to place. Um, and further research into him found out that he took approximately $50,000 worth of life insurance out on both of his children. Now, when I say $50,000, he didn't take one policy out. He took three separate policies out. He took, um, if I'm remembering correctly, he took like a $10,000 and then a $20,000 and then another $20,000, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um... And so that's always suspicious. Uh, if you're a big fan of Forensic Files like I am, anytime anyone says that they had taken a life insurance policy out on someone, you know that they murdered them. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and so this was the 70s, so you kind of have to put your mind into the mindset of the times back then. They didn't have as many restrictions on chemicals and things as they do today um and so they found out however that ronald clark o'brien had visited a chemical supply store shortly before um timothy's death to buy cyanide but the store told him that the they only sold it in like pounds or whatever and the smallest they sold was like five pounds and he said he didn't want that much um and uh, so he walked away that time without cyanide. And throughout this, he maintained his innocence. Uh, he was a liar, but you know, whatever. He was arrested um, on November the 5th, 1974. So within a week of Timothy's death, they had enough evidence to arrest him. His trial began May the 5th of 1975. 
Now the thing is, and this this gets me, man. There are multiple witnesses from different chemical companies that stated that he had called in asking to buy cyanide or had gone into the store asking to buy cyanide. And, um, y'all, he was so dumb that not only had he gone in these places using his actual identity, but the only defense that he provided and that his lawyer provided was that it was an urban legend and there's no way that the father could have done it because it was an urban legend. And that's just... As someone who has studied <laughs> criminal justice, I'm taking many, many law classes. Um, that's a terrible defense. But whatever. And of course, he was found guilty um, of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder on June 3rd, 1975. So his trial didn't even last a month. I think they said it took the um, jury like 40 minutes to deliberate and then like 45 for them to decide to um, sentence him to death. Uh, which he postponed four times, by the way, for different reasons. And at one point, a judge even told him that he was getting executed and that if the judge himself had to drive him to the um, execution chamber, he would. So that's how much this man was hated in his community. Um, I think he was housed in Huntsville up until his execution. I could be wrong, but I believe that's what I read. In his last words, y'all, this is how much of a complete and utter prick this guy was, basically. I mean, his last words are, and I quote, I forgive all, and I do mean all those who have been involved in my death. God bless you all, and may God's blessing be yours always. Y'all, he forgave them. Rather than asking for forgiveness himself... He forgave them for doing their job of bringing justice. And that just... I think that's the perfect summary of Ronald Clark O'Brien. He was just full of himself. He thought he was going to get away with murder. And uh, when, I mean, there was insurmountable evidence against him, he just kind of sat back and believed that everything was going to work in his favor. And that's crazy. Um... And this guy is, this guy is just everything that's bad in this world. This guy is greedy. Well, he was, he's dead. He was greedy and he was conceited and he was money hungry. And it's even reported that at Timothy's funeral, he was talking about what he was going to do with the money from his life from Timothy's life insurance. He's planning on taking a vacation and doing this, that, and the other. So, I mean, this was just, he was just a really bad guy. Um, I think that's all I have this week. Uh, this case was just one that blew me away. I don't know how you could harm your own child like that. Uh, but he did. And, um, he got what he deserved for it. 
All right, guys, that's it for this week. Stay safe, stay curious, and I'll see you next